If you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to take them and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. We will read a couple verses in the latter portion of that chapter in just a moment. But first, I want to take a second and welcome you to Big Woods Bible Church uh, this morning. Uh, God always, He has things in store for us that we know nothing about. And I don't know about you, but I am so grateful for that. Thank you, my brother Matt and the worship team for leading us. Uh, Sharon, it is a delight to have you here. Thank you. Uh, Talk about a step of faith to leave comfy corporate America and follow the Lord Jesus Christ with everything. And we need to be alongside of her. And thank you, Lord, for your encouragement of faith. Um, Let's bow our heads and go to God and ask that he would bless our time this morning. Let's pray. Father, we sang just a moment ago that it is our desire that everything, from the very depths of our soul, to the deepest recesses of our hearts, we cry out, Lord, for you to do what you would desire for our lives this morning. God, I would ask that your Holy Spirit would move freely amongst us and that we would hear from you and from you alone. God, I would ask that you would guard my mind and my, my thought and my speech and my lips and my tongue, that, that nothing was spoken would be for man's glory or man's attention, Lord, but this would all be about you. Father, I pray for this community that is trapped in darkness, and there are families, and there are marriages, and there are young people that are struggling all over the place. God, I thank you that you have called us by your grace alone to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I would ask God that we would have a boldness that comes only from you to speak the truth of the transforming gospel every single day, that you, Lord, be glorified. I pray, Lord, for this very hour as there are men standing in pulpits in this community that are preaching the truth of the gospel. Encourage them, Lord, and uplift them and strengthen them. And God, we thank you for this church that you have allowed us to be a part of. We thank you, Lord, for its faithful history that is based upon the truth of the gospel. God, help us, Lord, to be reminded what it is that you've called us to do and that we would, we would leave the things of this world behind us and we would fix our attention. We would focus on you. We, we'd focus on the message of the cross. Give us, Lord, the means and the ability to do that. And may you be glorified. We ask this in the strong name of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. It is important to back up. It has been, I don't know if you realize it or not, but almost exactly to the day, four months, four months since we have cast Vision 2020, where we as a body of believers made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and also this community that our mission is to love God and love people. And so it has been actually since early May, that we have been praying together, we have been trusting in, by God's grace, we have been moving forward for the gospel of Jesus Christ and following Him as Lord and Savior of our lives. 
I am a very strong believer that we need to now regularly ask. We need to regularly examine how are we doing in accomplishing this mission that we have set out to do. How are we doing fulfilling the vision that God has called us? I know that we, we laid out several strategies. I actually want to go back to those strategies and remind you and bring you up to date on how things are going. We had talked first and foremost that we are committed as a church to preach the Word of God with an uncompromising focus on the transforming gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would encourage you to continue to pray for me to have boldness to do just that. As we had a summer series on the Beatitudes, calling us to live, what, as kingdom people, not as people of this world. I've been studying the book of Acts, the church in action, and Lord willing, we will stay focused on the authority and the foundation of God's word and God's word alone. We looked about the importance of teaching our children through gospel-centered Sunday school and VBS programs. What a delight it has been this last summer to see so many children right here through Yvonne's leadership and many of you who committed to serve the Lord this summer to the children of the community through our Vacation Bible School program. Our Sunday school continues. Even later on this afternoon, all of our teachers will be trained for the fall semester on the Gospel Project rooted in teaching our children about the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have committed to disciple students who are navigate programs. They are serving and impacting those around them. Pastor Nick and Ashley continue to do a wonderful job of teaching young people, teenagers, the youth of this world, that it's not about following this world. It's about following the Lord Jesus Christ. We have committed to cultivate spiritual growth of our college-age adults through integration in the church body. Our campus pastor, Aaron Badorf, continues to lead our New Life ministry, doing a wonderful job alongside of uh, Bill and Tara Newman, who have been, in a sense, commissioned to head all that ministry to make sure that young people don't stay out there, separate from the church, but they're integrated to be part of this church. We are committed to encourage adults through our purposeful Sunday school classes to mature spiritually. This past spring, we enjoyed a kingdom Man class, a a class designed for men to be men and leaders, as God's word is encouraged and designed and instructed. This past summer, we had a a series on child rearing or parenting. Look forward to this fall where our women's class will continue. In January, we will launch a marriage class because marriages are under attack today. We have committed to provide fellowship and discipleship opportunities for the church body through a vibrant home group ministry. Later this month, Brian and Becca Seigen have organized more than 10 home groups that will be meeting throughout the entire region every single night of the week, with the exception of Friday and Saturday, to be together as families. We are committed to what? Fellowship and discipleship. We are committed to pursue a facility that will allow us to worship and minister to five to eight hundred people at one time. The elders have commissioned a feasibility study that has been headed by Scott Heckman and Thane Turner and Eric Evans, where they have been meeting regularly to see what God has for us by way of the future, examining our resources, what it is that God has for us. To, to buy or to build something where we can, can worship together as a family. 
We have been developing a leadership structure to support the growth of Big Woods by continually discipling a sufficient number of elders and deacons and teachers and ministry and home group leaders. Virtually every single area needs constant observation and encouragement on leadership. We're committed to expand and celebrate recovery ministry to meet the needs of individuals and families affected by addictions and abuse. This summer you've heard testimonies that Dave Irvin has, in a sense, led through Celebrate Recovery of how God is transforming lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to continue to pray to increase our local and our global missions program by investing into the lives of widows and orphans through prayer and financial support and regular mission trips. It was a delight to hear of the young people at a mission trip this summer to Canada or the team that went to Guatemala and even now preparing for what? Summer 2014 to do the same thing. It is our prayer about planning even another church to expand the gospel and God's work In central Pennsylvania, there are lots of things that we are called to be doing as a church that is proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you noticed, but running all the way through every single one of these important strategies by design is one thing, and it's relationships. All of this, all of these center around relationships. It is what loving people and building relationships with a purpose. And that is what to teach people that they can have a relationship personally to God, with God, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so to do that, what are we supposed to do? We are to regularly teach people what? That there is one true, holy God, that he has created the world and everything in it. That God created man in his own image to have a relationship with him, but man chose to disobey God. What happened? It resulted in sin. And sin separates us from a holy God. We are to teach people what? How God came to earth to restore the relationship with man. And he did that by what? Coming in the form of a man. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's that man? That man was Jesus. We are to teach people that Jesus was born in the most miraculous of ways. He was born of a virgin. Jesus was completely man, and yet he was completely God. We call this the deity of Christ. And he lived every single day on this earth a perfect and a sinless life. We are to teach people that while Jesus Christ ministered on this earth, He changed lives all over the place by healing those that were lame or sick or blind. But most importantly, the most important thing, Jesus came to restore the relationships that had been broken by sin. And so Jesus talked about, He preached about the kingdom of God is made up of people who acknowledge the fact that they are sinners. And their only means of salvation is through the Savior, Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God is comprised of people who have committed to live every single day with Jesus Christ being the Lord's master over their entire lives. We are to teach people that Jesus died on the cross as a payment for our sins, that He was buried. But three days later, what happened? He rose from the dead. We are to teach people that Jesus defeated sin and death 
so that all of mankind, so that all mankind have an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ by asking, begging for His mercy to forgive them of their sins and heal the broken relationship so that we can have an eternal fellowship with God in heaven for eternity. We're to teach what? That if you reject the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will spend eternity separated from God in hell. This is truth. Would it be called this? You hear it from me all the time. This truth is called the gospel. Followers of Jesus Christ are called Christians. All Christians are given what? We are given the Word of God, and we are also given the Spirit of God for the purpose of teaching other people this truth. Teaching them every single day to live their lives as followers of Jesus Christ. What is that called? It's called making disciples. Making disciples is what followers of Jesus Christ do. Making disciples is what Christians do. And I have to be perfectly honest. I, as I have been praying and examining and asking, okay, how are we doing? I have actually discovered what I believe is a big problem that exists within the local church. And this is the problem. We have a lot of people who raise their hand and say, yes, I am a Christian. I am one to be like Christ. I am one that is following Christ. But they're really not following Christ. The reason is there's many Christians that have no thoughts, they have no desire to make disciples. Now, I was challenged by this this summer in a very personal way. We got a young man in our church who gave his heart, his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. My son, Seth, developed a relationship with him. And my son came to me one night and he said, which one of the elders, dad, are going to be discipling this young man? I thought for a moment, I paused. I thought of busy men with busy schedules. I thought of my own busy schedule. And in my hesitation, even in hesitating, in pausing, my son confronted me face to face and he said, if one of the elders don't disciple this man, I will. And I was struck by that. Wait a minute. We as men will be outpaced by someone much younger? That's not right. I went into our daughter's room and I, and I got a book. There's a lot of books that are out there on discipleship. She had brought it home. Sarah had brought it home from college and it was called Multiply. And I committed to meet every single week with this young man. I went into the next elders meeting and I shared with them exactly what I shared with you. We bought ten copies of this book. And without making one public announcement or proclamation or declaration, this past week we ordered our second case of 36 copies of Multiply. And God is doing something throughout the body that exists at Big Woods Bible Church. Right now there's more than 60 people that have committed 
Someone has come to their heart and say, I need to be discipling that person. Someone else has said, I need to be discipled. I need to learn more. And God is doing something, and by His grace alone, He is doing it. And I am most grateful for that. And so what I want to do this morning is to give every single one of us an opportunity to align. I don't want to touch, I don't want to mess up what God is doing. But He's doing something really cool. I want to let you know that. 2,000 years ago, Christ walked up to a handful of men. And he said this, he said, follow me. These men had, had jobs, they had families, they had responsibilities, they had homes, they had bills, they had hobbies. I think it was absolutely impossible for them to know completely. It was impossible for them to understand what Jesus Christ was calling them to. But you know what? They, 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 they just followed him. And literally, that's exactly what they do. They began to follow Him everywhere. They listened to Him teach. They listened to Him preach. They listened to Him pray. And they watched Him. They watched Him heal. And they witnessed firsthand His compassion and His passion. They witnessed His power. And you know what happened? They began to love people and they began to build relationships and they began to pursue holiness and they began to talk to others and serve others and care for others just like Jesus has been doing. They learned the importance about speaking the truth just like Jesus Christ had spoken the truth to them. They were right there. They were close by when he was arrested and when he was beat. They knew they had heard of his suffering and of his death on the cross. They heard that he had, what, three days later rose from the dead. And then they actually saw them, saw him alive, walking after he was dead. And then the very last thing that Jesus told them, literally, as he was what? As he was ascending up into heaven, he said, I have this one thing for you to do. You opened up in your Bibles to Matthew 28. Look at verse 19. It says what? Go. It says, go and make disciples. Go, make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey all things that I have commanded. And then he gave this promise, I will be with you always. That is exactly what they did. That is exactly what they did. And do you know what? In just a few years, they were standing before the most powerful rulers of the day. And they were accused in Acts chapter 17 of what? You men have turned the world upside down. These men were called disciples. And they were told to make disciples. And that is exactly what they did. And guess what? That is exactly what you and I are to do. A disciple is what? What is a disciple? We hear this term. A disciple is, is a student or an apprentice. It is virtually impossible to be a disciple or a follower of someone and not end up like that person. And yet somehow there are many, many people that call themselves Christians. I'm one. And yet what? They're not following Christ. 
It actually appears. I honestly believe that we have lost sight of what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. People think what? That means that we get to ask God for blessings. (laughs) That's not what it is. It's more than that. That's why this week and next week, we will return to the most important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you call yourself one, if you call yourself a Christian, you need to understand this. Remember this. If you remember nothing else this morning, you were made to make disciples. You were made to make disciples. Do you, do you know, do you know what this is? This, I keep, I keep one of these in my glove compartments at all times. And the reason is that if I get a flat tire, I can use this to jack up my Jeep. No, I can't. It's a fork. Well, what I do is I keep one of these in my top drawer of my desk at all times. So that if the phone rings and I, and I have to write something down, I use this to write it down. No, I don't. It's a fork. Now, unless you're Ariel from The Littlest Mermaid who found one, didn't know what a fork was, and I think she used it to comb her hair. Every one of us know that a fork has one Purpose. It has one purpose. Yeah, we try to use it to open cans. We try to use it, what? To pull a nail out. But it's not designed for that. A fork has one purpose. The purpose of a fork is that you and I use one every single day to eat and to nourish ourselves. If you use this for something else other than it's designed for, let me tell you this, you can't use it to pound nails and vacuum your floor. You can't use it to blow dry your hair. Sorry. So it is with a person. So it is with a person who calls themselves a Christian that is more concerned about following the world's than they are about following Christ. There's trouble with that. So it is with a person who has been made to make disciples, and yet they are not doing it. So where do we begin? Now we know that disciples, only disciples, disciples can make disciples. We begin with what I call the call to be a disciple. So let's start by asking to understand, how does one become a disciple of Jesus Christ? We have to make sure we're on page one before we get to page two. It makes perfect sense to start where Jesus Christ started. The one message that Jesus proclaimed before he said, follow me, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he says, follow me. Before that, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, he says what? He says, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Before 
you follow Christ, you must first repent. What is the word repent mean? It means literally to turn. It has the idea of changing direction, of heading in the opposite direction that you once were. It involves action. Friday night, I sat around a campfire in the middle of the woods with a bunch of men. And they shared testimonies. And I heard this. I used to be a drunk. I used to do drugs on a regular basis. I used to be a fighter and a brawler. I used to curse and swear. I heard testimony and testimony. They said, I don't do that anymore. Because I have turned from what I once was. In this particular context, Jesus is telling people that you, you prepare yourself. You change whatever needs to be changed because God's kingdom, that is the kingdom of God, is quickly approaching. And so we ask first and foremost, have you done this? How do we prepare? Repent. Turn from the way we are presently thinking and living. Why? Because every single one of us has sinned and we all fall short of God's glory. That means every single one of us has done or has thought about, we have moved toward that which is wrong. God's word says that the wages of sin are death. And yet the greatest news in all of the Bible says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The death penalty that we would face because of our own sin was paid for by someone else. And that someone was Jesus. We are to repent from our sins and we are to follow Jesus. Have you done that? It's where we start. Have you consciously and willingly repented, turned, from your way of previously thinking and living. Secondly, we are to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Romans 10 says, then you will be saved. Part of our repentance is turning from the belief that there's something that you or I can do to save ourselves. When the truth is, there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. Only Jesus Christ can save us. Only Jesus Christ can pay the price that needs to be paid. Well, how do we know that? We see this illustrated all the way throughout the Bible. If you go all the way back to the book of Exodus, we know what happened. The Jewish people were in bondage and slavery. And Moses was sent by God to free his people. And Pharaoh, what? His heart was hardened and he refused to let him go. So God caused several plagues to come and to afflict the Egyptians. And the last plague was going to be the very, very worst. God was going to send an angel of death. It was going to pass over that entire area and take the firstborn in every single home unless what? Unless those people did something. They would go out to the sheepfold and they would take the very, very best land that they could find. They checked it over to make sure there was nothing wrong with it. It was perfect. It was without blemish. And they had to kill that lamb. And they would take the blood of that lamb and they would put it on the doorposts, on the top and on the sides. And when what? When, when that plague came to take the firstborn, if that blood was seen to protect that home, it would pass over. 
And those people would be free. But there had to be a lamb that was perfect. When John the Baptist heralded and announced the ministry of Jesus, one particular time, it says what? John the Baptist saw Jesus and he was walking towards him. What does he do? He yells out. He says, Behold! The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. If you look at that in almost any translation, you will see, and I'm an exclamation point guy. I love him. Bang. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Exclamation point. There is no one else. Have you confessed that Jesus is Lord? Have you cried out? Have mercy upon me, O God. Forgive me, a sinner. Have you done that? Later on today, we get to go to the river. And there will be six people who have made that decision. Who have received the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they will stand and they will publicly proclaim in front of everyone that's around. I have done that. They are declaring, they're identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. What are they doing? The same thing that you and I are supposed to do. The same thing that Jesus calls us to. What does he do finally? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Don't follow the the, the rest of this world. It's heading towards destruction. You follow me and I will make you fishers of men. My heart's cry, my prayer, the elders alongside. We pray that each person who calls themselves a Christian follows Christ. Or don't call yourself a Christian. It's that importance. You were made... To make disciples. And so we want to help you do that. We want to make sure that every single person who says, I'm a Christian, that you understand exactly what you are called to do. In your, in your bulletins, there's a little card. You've seen that card. I, I, I really don't see, forgive me, but I don't see how you can call yourself a Christian without falling into one or two categories One says what? I need to be discipled. I need someone over me and one-on-one relationship to guide me through life. Or else perhaps if you've already been discipled, then you need to be aligned with someone else. To be pouring into them. Just like someone has poured into you. Please understand, this this is not a program. We have enough programs. I don't want to touch or to smudge what God is doing in any way, but we want to make sure that not one person goes, what, without understanding what they are called to do, what they have been made to do. So we want to assist you. I would encourage you to fill out that little card. Just put your name on it, and you can check either what. I understand the importance of being a disciple, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and will commit to seek someone out. To disciple me. Or what? I understand the importance of being discipled. And I will commit to seek out a person. To disciple. If you're in Celebrate Recovery. Go to your Celebrate Recovery leaders. If you're in a home group. Go to your home group leaders. If you're part of Navigate. Or go to New Life. You go to those ones. 
but make sure every single one of us understand the importance of what we have been called to do. I would encourage you to take this little card, to fill it out, and there's a basket right up front. Put this in that basket so that we can assist you in any way so that every single person knows the importance of discipleship. I had a neat opportunity. I I witnessed this firsthand. It's completely unrelated. I had the privilege on Sunday with going with uh, Dr. Valerio, Eduardo Valerio. And And I was able to go to Williamsport to historic Bowman Field. You know me, I'm a little bit of a baseball fan. A little bit. I was able to go with Dr. Valerio and I was able to speak to both teams individually about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meet with them right in their dugouts before the game. In the first dugout, there was only a few guys. Dr. Valerio translated for some of the ones that couldn't understand English. He spoke in Spanish and and I spoke. There were a few guys, six, seven guys. We finished. I walked from one dugout to the other dugout. When I got to that dugout, the entire dugout was filled. It was, it was filled with people, with young men. It was filled. And sitting at the end of the bench was a guy, and I noticed he had a wedding band on. He's a little bit older than some of the players. And I said, you're not a player, are you? And he said, no, sir. He goes, I'm a coach. I'm a batting coach. He gave me his name. He used to play for the Padres. As I began to share, I noticed that this man literally has been traveling alongside, has been eating alongside, has been discipling an entire team. One man. I talked with him afterwards and he leaned in and he said, you know what this is about. It's not about baseball. He said, yeah, it's my job. But I get to make disciples. And the difference between what? One place that was, was leaderless. There was no one there compared to the other. But there was this entire group that are eager to learn, want to learn, want to grow. Two teams, two dugouts, one major difference. What was it? It was discipleship. It was discipleship. May we understand what God has called us to do, that every single one of us who claim to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ were made to make disciples. I would encourage you to follow through with indicating where you are to make sure that we together as a church know exactly where we're going for God's glory, for God's glory alone. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I praise your name for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you love us, although we are, we are so unlovable. I thank you that in your grace you offered your own son to die in a place that we deserve. I thank you, Lord, that you give us the privilege of being called Christians, but help us understand it's not just what we're called. It means we're to follow you. Give us the boldness to know exactly what you've called us to do to make disciples. Help us to be faithful in that. In your name we pray. Amen.